Welcome to the Yes, Young Enough to Serve podcast. We invite you to join us for encouraging stories about people over 50 making kingdom impact. We hope you'll be inspired. Here's our host, Judy Wick. Hi, this is really an exciting day for me. I'm in the beautiful Santa Cruz Mountains. The sun is glistening through. I'm at my kitchen table, and I have a very special guest. And I hope that you will enjoy meeting him because it's my husband. Hi, Wes, and welcome. Judy, it's a joy to be with you as it is every day. Oh, wow. And just a special <laughs> opportunity today to talk with you and share with our guest listeners some of the things we've talked about over the years that haven't made it past this kitchen table. That some of them haven't. That's right. <laughs> well, Wes, it's just hard for me to believe that we launched Yes just over a decade ago. Isn't that just crazy? Ten years ago this month, we had our first Yes board meeting. Wow. That... We were scared. We didn't know how to start a nonprofit, all that stuff, and just all seemed very intimidating. It really did. It, I am so grateful, babe, though, that I have you on this journey with me and that we're doing this ministry and life together. I truly feel very, very blessed. And so today, I'd like for you just to share, this is kind of a huge question, like what's your overall motivation and passion with Yes, but you have 10 years now under your belt. So what would you say, maybe first just well, I'll just let you answer that. I love it when people can take a closer look at these later years of life and say, okay, it's not just a struggle and it's going to end with death, but it's an opportunity that we have to serve the Lord passionately, for people to open their eyes to new ways they could connect with younger generations, new ways they can serve, old ways they can serve, just lots of opportunities and seeing the potential that these years hold. That's what really drives me personally and uh, something I just love it when people catch a glimpse of what God can do with uh, these years of life. And you've exemplified that so well too. I really seriously appreciate that. I feel like, you know, not that in these 10 years, there haven't been days that we've wondered now, what's it all about and what are we doing but I do feel like for the most part that we haven't had those days at the same time. <laughs> I feel like we, when I've been discouraged in the ministry or the very few times that you have been, I feel like we've been there to help pull each other up, pray for each other, and just hit the ground running because the need out there is universal and it is so, so great. So if you were looking at adults over 50, the whole landscape there, which is pretty significant demographic. What would you say that some of the greatest strengths are that people over 50 can bring to the local church? I would say experience. Life experience teaches us a lot that we just can't learn immediately. There's some life lessons, mm -hmm. perspective that comes through years of walking with Christ, there's just a lot of benefit there. For those that are entering retirement years, there's a huge opportunity to invest time, time that was previously occupied with working full-time. There's a ways 
ways, a lot more freedom that people mm-hmm. have, uh, resources. Uh, a lot of times there's a stereotype of older adults just kind of getting by on a fixed income, but there's a lot of people that have a lot of resources, not just financial, but and all the education that people have accumulated over the years, just different vocations they've been in. There's just so much mm-hmm. we have to offer. And sometimes we're going to pull from experiences we had in our 30s or our 20s. And there's a whole gamut of a timetable that, that we've gone through that helps us. In some ways, we should be more relevant because of that experience. Sometimes we, we say, our age makes us less relevant, but if we stay in the game, stay uncharged and, and have that attitude that, yes, I am, God can use me now just like he's used me in the past, some ways even better, maybe some ways I'm not going to be quite as effective, but God wants to use us now. Okay, babe, what would you say to, let's just say a pastor that might be listening to this podcast and they're thinking, well, you know what, Wes, I have like this pocket in my church of older adults. And just to be honest with you, some of them are quite cantankerous. And how do I push through that? Always been cantankerous? I I don't know. It's a question that maybe the pastor would be able to to answer. But are they growing more difficult because of being kind of ignored or put off, maybe treated in ways that kind of devalue them? Sometimes it's it's them. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's how they are being treated, but there's usually something we can learn to change in ourselves as leaders. If, we, or if we're viewing them with a broad brush in a negative way, there's probably something God wants to do in mm-hmm. our hearts to change our perspective because God values every generation mm-hmm. of the church. And uh, what we've seen a lot is uh, churches that get really panicked because millennials or or younger generations aren't there in the church. And so it's like, okay, we've got to drop everything we're doing. We've got to reach these millennials. Forget about the older adults. Forget about your needs or whatever. Let's focus on only the, the younger generations. And what we do in that journey a lot of times is fail to take the older adults with us on that. It's an important, valuable quest to bring younger generations right along with us and but all serving Christ together. But a lot of times, older adults are kind of pushed aside in that process saying, okay, you've had your time in the sun. Now, now it's time to focus on younger generations. And uh, you guys go off in the back corner, have your hymn sings and your potlucks. But the real vital church is out there with, with the younger families, younger people. You don't really count. So in that environment, it's very, very easy for people to become cantankerous or, or just feel, feel like they don't matter anymore. Yeah. And you know, one of the things that I think has been so fun on being on this journey with you, Wes, is the stories that we hear and like, whether it's uh, when we're going out to, you know, other churches um, or people sending us an email or calling us or whatever. But I remember someone telling me once that there were a couple of adults in their home church that were cantankerous. They caught the vision of yes, and not that we in any way are claiming to invent serving, God forbid, but they caught the vision of how important it was to serve God in their later years. And this lady told me that those two people in their church, that their countenance, their whole demeanor 
changed in a positive way once they really cut the vision of serving. And I think that when pastors see that, and when that happens to older people, I mean, that, that rubs off on their friends. That obviously affects their family. How wonderful for a family who might have a person that has a negative bend, but then to see that change and evolve into a person that really is excited about serving Jesus in their later years. Yeah, it's something that if people look at serving as a chore or something that maybe they're kind of feeling guilty and they have to do something, they're not there yet. We want to see people just experience the joy of serving. And with that serving, it really does. It lifts our spirits. We're always gleaning a lot more from those that we're serving than, than we're probably doing ourselves. Right. But it comes back to us in just double measure as far as just the joy of serving Christ. Okay, so let's just say, babe, that you had a chance to speak to all the pastors in our nation, okay? Okay, other than maybe you being just a tad bit scared about that or whatever. Okay, you get up there on the, on the platform. They're all there. What would be the main, your your central message that you would like to convey to pastors in our nation? I'd say right now, our nation is so divided. We have politically, there's a huge division. There's a division between gender. There's a division between generations. Whatever pastors can do to help unify the church, that is such an important task And I think a lot of us have had the idea that we are a multi-generational church or we have, we value all denominations and like a multi-denominational kind of thing, but it's really the interaction between generations. It's the interaction between denominations, between, we just get excited when we see that element taking place in a better way. If if people are just tolerating those outside their peer group, that's not the church. That's mm-hmm. not what God intended. He really wants us to love deeply people that are different from us, right. people that are much younger, much older, people who maybe politically don't think exactly the same way we, we think, but really to have this outpouring of love in the body of Christ uh, between cultures, between races and just it should be something that the church is exemplifying for our divided nation and i don't think we're there yet i think we have a lot of long ways to go right you know it's interesting and also sad today february 21st 2018 marks the the passing of billy graham and it's like we all you know have watched as he's aged. And I think we knew that, okay, that, that day was going to come. And then, you know, to wake up to that news this morning, it's like, there's this little hole in our hearts that it's like, wow, here's this great man of God now that, you know, has passed on for his heavenly reward. But I think one of the things that I appreciated so much about Billy Graham was how intergenerational his crusades were, and then people that got on board in other avenues of ministry through the Billy Graham Association. But it was like crusades for the older people, you know, it was crusades for whosoever will. And I think he modeled so well what it looked like to reach out to all generations. I loved that pastor's heart that he had like that. Yeah, and he commanded such respect, and he had such humility. I think his 
humility of spirit just came through. Every time he, he spoke, he had authority, but he also had such a deep humility. Yeah. I heard him speak for the first time, and the only, only crusade I attended was in Seattle back in 1976. It was the just a couple months after the kingdom opened in Seattle, and that was a big motivation for a lot of people coming to the kingdom because they wanted to see the kingdom, but they heard the message of salvation and many came to Christ. Then the kingdom only lasted like 33 years. It was demolished in 99. So here you have Billy Graham in his late fifties speaking there and you think, okay, he's pretty close to the end, but little did we know in that, kingdom, kingdom, he was going to long outlive the kingdom itself. So just so much potential. He continued to touch lives well into his 60s and 70s and 80s, became pretty frail in his 90s and and had less contact, less overt ministry, but still touching lives all the way through. All the way through. So beginning of his life and in his second half. So speaking of second half, I am so proud of you, Wes. My husband is now, I'm now married to an author. And in December, Wes's first book came out entitled Half Two, available on Amazon. And it's uh, the quest for a God-honoring encore. Wes, this book is wonderful says your wife very objectively. Okay. <laughs> no, seriously, babe, I'm so proud of you. I, you know, saw all the behind the scenes thing, things going on with my husband writing this book. No small feat, but I'm so proud of you in the message of this book. So I'd like for you to share with our listeners just a little overview of mm. Have To. Thank you so much for your compliments. It really is, I'd say probably besides marrying you and besides committing my life early to Christ, it's, this is really probably one of the best accomplishments, I think, in terms of my work career, just write, writing a book. A lot of times people have a passion to, you'll hear a lot of people say, oh, I'm going to write a book someday. And, and I would just encourage you, if you're thinking that, let that someday come to fruition. And I had some, some coaching along the way, some, some friends that really helped me kind of get started in writing and, and finally finishing it. Uh, wonderful editor. So my passion, though, is really to see uh, us look at this later season of life as an opportunity for an encore. If you went to a concert and you were vigorously clapping for a performance at the end, and people will expect an encore, they, they'd be very, very surprised if the musician came back out saying, you know, I gave you everything you paid for. I'm sorry. uh, This is my time to kind of clock out. No, you expect an encore. And this season of life, if you're retired, there's an opportunity here to live out an encore. It could be an encore career. It could be just an encore of, of serving, new ways of reaching out. But God wants to be honored through this season of life, and it could be multiple encores that you discover in this season. But you have a lot of opportunity that is out there. People may not be clapping, but know that God is waiting for us to live out lives that that really, really uh, touch other lives and really are are depicting lives that have value all the way through. 
Now, I especially love the dedication of this book. And so without doing a spoiler alert here, I would just like it if, would you read the dedication? I think the dedication sets an excellent foundation for your book. I will do that. I wanted to start off with this dedication, putting myself back in the role of being in my mid-20s, just because so much of our emphasis in this ministry is intergenerational, and it's important to kind of look back and think, how did we view older adults when we were younger? So my dedication, in my mid-20s and newly engaged, I was driving from San Francisco to Southern California with my soon-to-be father-in-law, Don Papineau, and family friend, Stuart Navarro. We were returning from a weekend missions trip to San Francisco's inner city. I had sprawled out in the back seat trying to catch up on sleep, lost to blurring police sirens the night before. And Don and Stuart were talking, and my sleepy ears awoke to their spirited conversation. Don, recently retired from his house painting career, contemplated an invitation from the San Francisco pastor. Mel Johnson wants me to join his pastoral staff, Don confided, and I'm seriously thinking about saying yes. Unprepared for this kind of radical upheaval from an early 50s layman, retired and seemingly so firmly rooted in Southern California, I was astounded. In my mind, older adults don't leave the security of their suburban homes to minister in a rundown and drug-infested area of San Francisco. Certainly, I thought he would come to his senses, or I would come to mine. And Don was a seasoned follower of Jesus, who knew that his early retirement from a successful painting career was not a free pass to a self-absorbed life of leisure. Yes, he had a newfound sense of freedom, but he also fervently sought to live his life so that it counted for the kingdom. Over the next months, he moved into a humble dormitory apartment, completed studies for his ministerial credentials, and began serving as a pastor at Glad Tidings Temple in San Francisco. After our June wedding in Southern California, my mother-in-law, Peggy, joined him. They rented out their Southern California home and leased a flat in San Francisco. Over the next three and a half decades, I've had a front row seat to observe how spiritually fruitful life's second half can be. As I have watched my father-in-law serve in San Francisco, plan a church in Southern California, complete numerous projects at a Christian college on the central coast of California, manage, upgrade, and resell apartment complexes, avidly read, study, and teach God's word, offer poignant advice to ministers, friends, and family, and just plain genuinely care for people. Even at this time of this writing, at 89, now he's 90, Papa Don makes twice weekly visits to Life Pacific, a Christian college two miles from his home, to encourage and pray with students at their chapel services, something he's done throughout his 80s. Thank you, Don Papineau, for being a living epistle of Christ. I've had the privilege of knowing you only on your plus side of 50. Your first half of life was also an incredible adventure, but thank you for showing so many others in me how fruitful half two can be. It's with great joy and honor that I dedicate this book to you, Papa Don. I want to be like you when I grow up. Thank you so much, Wes. And I know that when you read that to my parents, there was not a dry eye. I mean, with my brothers around and and some nieces and nephews and sisters-in-law, just that was a very touching day. I'll never forget that. But yeah, love my dad and hopefully we'll be able to interview him again soon. So Wes, I just uh, wanted to know if in closing, if you would just say a prayer for our listeners that God will just help all of us just to serve Jesus the best we can. 
Lord Jesus, we stop right now and ask for your intervention in our lives. Lord, some people woke up this morning with some aches and pains that they didn't even have yesterday. And I pray, oh God, that you would help us to move beyond the aches and pains of later life, plow through those challenges and discover ways, Lord, that we can still serve you and honor you with our time, with our relationships, Lord, with our resources, with our wisdom, with our life experience, God, that you've entrusted in us. Lord, we have not come to this stage in life just to fade off into the sunset. Lord, you want to use us for your glory. Lord, we pray, God, that we would be diligent in discovering new ways we can serve you. Some people listening really need to make an adjustment. They can't do what they did five years ago, 10 years ago. There's something that needs to uh, recalibrate, and we pray, oh God, that they would just continue to listen to your voice. And and instead of closing all the doors, Lord, may they open new doors, God, that, that can lead them into paths of serving you in a powerful way. Lord, they, they may be constrained by not driving. They might be constrained by vision issues. They might have all kinds of challenges, both physical and emotional. But I pray, God, they would cling to the hope, mm-hmm. Lord, of knowing that they are here still on this earth for a reason. Use them for your glory, we pray. Use all of us, Lord. Help Judy and I, through Yes, to continue both encouraging and challenging adults in life's second half, God, to go for more, to live each day knowing that you are asking us to give our lives to you afresh every day. Lord, bless each one listening. Give us hope. Give us courage. Give us direction, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, honey. I love you. Thanks so much for being with us. You'll find brief notes from today's show and more information about Yes online at yes We'd love for you to share today's podcast with a friend.